Good morning. Would you pray with me? Our Father, we have uh, just spent time worshiping you. You are worthy of it all. Jesus, thank you for what you did for us. Thank you for being willing to come, being willing to take on flesh, to live among us. Thank you for loving us so much that you would go to that cross and take our place, pay our sin penalty. Thank you for the power you have to defeat death, to rise again. And thank you for your invitation that we as sinners can come to you seeking forgiveness, seeking eternal life, seeking a relationship with the God who created us. Thank you so much. We rejoice today. And we give thanks. Father, may we be thankful people right now and throughout this week and for the years to come. Thankful people because of who you are and because we know you. Guide us now as we think about what it is that we truly believe and what kind of belief it is that we claim to have. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You can take your Bibles and, and have them ready. We uh, began a series last week called Believe. So we're talking about that whole idea, Believe. As Christians, we talk a lot about this thing called salvation. Salvation it means deliverance. It means to be rescued. It means to be set free. It comes to us by God's grace and mercy because of Jesus' sacrificial death in our place on the cross and because of his resurrection, which gives living hope beyond the grave. In salvation, we are forgiven of our sins. We are reconciled with God because our sins being forgiven are out of the way and we are no longer separated from him. And so we are reconciled in a relationship with our creator. In salvation, we are saved from the penalty of sin, which is the eternal judgment. In salvation, we are saved from the power of sin. It no longer has control over us. We are no longer in bondage. We don't have to sin. We have a choice because of salvation. And in salvation, we will be saved from the presence of sin. One day we will be with Jesus forever and there will be no sin because of salvation. And how do we receive this salvation? Well, we learned that last week. We receive this salvation by believing in Jesus. Believing in Jesus Christ. But here's the catch. What does that mean? Anybody can say, I believe in Jesus. What does it mean? Because it's important. It's how we come to receive God's great salvation. What does it mean to believe? What kind of belief is it? Because there are different kinds of belief. 
What kind of belief is it that brings salvation? This isn't the exact conversation, but I have been in conversations over the years with people who would answer that question, what does it mean to believe in Jesus? What kind of belief is it? By saying, just believe. That's how you're saved. Just believe. And I would say, okay, what do you mean by that? Do you mean you receive Jesus and accept him as your Savior and Lord? And they say, no. Receiving, accepting, that's works. We're not saved by works. Just believe. And I respond, well, then are you talking like surrendering your life to Christ? Giving Him your life? No. When you surrender, when you give, you're doing something. That's works. You need to just believe. Okay? You, you need to talk some more. Help me understand here what you mean. Uh, by believe, are, are you talking about some kind of personal commitment to Jesus? No. A commitment is works. It's something you're doing. you got to just believe. And by that time, I am totally confused. And I have decided that this person doesn't even know what they mean. When they say, just believe. To them, it sounds to me like believing is some mystical thing floating out there in the air with the clouds. And it has no explanation. Just believe. Well, that's how we're saved. We saw that clearly last week, didn't we? By believing in Jesus. But it is a credible question to ask, what kind of belief are you talking about? What does it mean to believe in Jesus? Um, another thing that's confusing to me is when people do say that, <clears throat> when they do say, I believe in Jesus, and yet for as long as you've known them, you have seen no evidence of any kind of belief in Jesus, <clears throat> that there is no connection between them saying, I believe, and their life. That gets confusing. And so I want you to know as we move on in this series called Believe, that my intention it's not to somehow try and convince you that you are saved because you say, I believe in Jesus. I'm not here to convince you you're saved because you say those words. I'm here during this series to help you determine if the belief you say you have 
actually has saved you. If the belief you claim to have is the kind of belief that actually brings salvation. We're going to be talking about three kinds of belief starting today. Today we're going to talk about one of two that do not save, and yet many people have those two kinds of belief, one or the other. But according to Scripture, those beliefs do not save a person, do not bring salvation. And then two weeks from today, we'll talk about the belief that brings salvation, that kind of belief. So today we're going to talk about what we'll call acknowledgement belief. Acknowledgement belief. I want to just quickly answer three questions about this kind of belief. What is it? Obviously, we need to know what that is. What is acknowledgement belief? Secondly, who has this kind of belief? Who are those who have this kind of belief? And third, I'll get personal. And I will ask, could this be the kind of belief that you profess to have? So, first of all, what is acknowledgement belief? Some people would call it uh, intellectual assent. In other words, you acknowledge that certain facts are true. You agree that certain facts are true. Facts about Jesus. Acknowledgement belief says, yes, I believe that Jesus came to this earth. I even go to the Christmas services to celebrate it because I believe he came. I acknowledge that fact. I acknowledge and I agree that he lived a really good life, probably perfect. I believe and I agree and I acknowledge that Jesus died on a cross for our sins. And I agree with the fact that he rose again, that he's alive, that he conquered death. I go to Easter service and I celebrate it. I believe those things. I believe that Jesus is in heaven today. I agree that there is a heaven I believe those things. And that's called acknowledgement belief. To acknowledge the facts. To give assent to the facts intellectually up here. Acknowledgement belief. The problem with acknowledgement belief is that it never moves from here. It never moves from here. It's just an intellectual ascent. You know, people talk about, you know, the 18 inches from the head to the heart. And I suppose if you want to use that illustration, you would say someone with acknowledgement belief accepts and agrees with the facts up here, but they never allowed the truth of those facts 
to journey to the heart and the will, the living of the life. Who has it? Who has this kind of belief? Well, first of all, the Bible says the demons have that kind of belief. Did you know that? The demons, according to the Bible, experience acknowledgement belief. Turn with me to James chapter 2. Toward the end of the New Testament, James chapter 2. Before we look at this, let me just give you a little Greek lesson. And you've got it toward the bottom of your sheet there. Um, in the Bible, it's really interesting to note that the word believe and the word faith come from the same Greek word, pistis. Uh, that's the noun form, uh, belief, faith. And the verb form is pistuo, which is to believe. But faith and belief come from the same Greek word. In fact, here in uh, James 2, starting in verse 14, James uses both of those words, believe, faith, belief, faith. And yet, if you look at the Greek, it's the same word in each place in the Greek. So when you're talking about believe, you're talking about having faith. When you talk about belief, you're talking about faith. It's the same word. So notice here, verse 14, James says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save them? Let me read that again, substituting the word believe or belief because it's from the same Greek word. That way it will go along with our topic of believing. James is saying, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to believe but has no deeds? Can that kind of belief save them? He's questioning that, right? And he goes on in this passage to talk about how the belief that saves is the belief that gives evidence through deeds and life lived. That the belief that saves isn't just some mystical thing floating around in the air that you can't explain. He goes on in this passage to say, faith or belief without evidence is dead. It's not real living belief. It's dead. And you can read the whole passage to see how he puts that together. But to get to our subject about who has this acknowledgement belief, let's look at verse 18. He says, someone will say, you have faith, you have belief, I have deeds. Show me your faith, show me your belief without deeds. And I will show you my faith, my belief, by my deeds, the way I live. And then verse 19. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons.
believe that. Even the demons believe that. And they shudder. Let me ask you a question. Would you say that the demons have received God's salvation? Are the demons saved beings? Of course not. If you know anything about the demons and what the Bible teaches about them, they're opposed to Jesus, right? They're opposed to God. And yet, James says, they believe. What do they believe? Well, according to this verse, they believe there's one God. They acknowledge that. The demons, they acknowledge that fact. What else do they believe? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Starting in verse 28. When Jesus arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, Son of God? They shouted. Whoa. Who did the demons say Jesus was? The Son of God. The demons believe Jesus is the Son of God. They accept that fact. Turn over to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Starting in verse 21. Mark 1, 21. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. The demons believe Jesus is the Holy One of God. They accept that fact. And then if you go to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 4. Make sure I have the right text here. Luke 4, verse 40. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew. He was the Messiah. So what do the demons believe? They agree with the fact that there's one God, 
They agree with the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. They agree with the fact that Jesus is the Holy One of God. And they even believe He's the Messiah. Are the demons saved? Of course not. It's an acknowledgement belief. It's an intellectual assent, agreeing with the facts. It's not saving belief. Isn't that what James says? That kind of faith, that kind of belief, he says, can't save you. It's dead. Who else has this kind of belief? Acknowledgement belief. Well, actually, the Bible says religious people, some religious people do. Um, people who embrace a religion, they embrace its teachings, they uh, follow the rituals, they participate in the ceremonies, they, they keep the traditions and the rules of that religion, they acknowledge the things that religion teaches, even things about Jesus that are true, even things about the crucifixion and the resurrection that are true, they acknowledge that because they embrace that religion. Take a look at uh, Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Right at the... Toward the end of the, the chapter, starting in verse 21, Jesus makes an interesting statement. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Didn't we do all these Great things. Verse 23, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Notice he's talking about people who call him Lord. Lord, Lord. And who say, we did all these things. Notice it's we did, not you did. We did these things. And Jesus says, I never knew you. You may call me Lord. You may have done all those good things. But we never had a relationship. I never knew you. Religious. You could almost say actively religious. But no relationship with Jesus. That's acknowledgement belief. You, you acknowledge, you even embrace a religion and its teachings, and many of those teachings are true. And you embrace them and you believe them and you do everything that you're supposed to do. But one thing is missing in that belief. There's no relationship with Jesus. 
It's an intellectual assent. But nothing happened here. In fact, in uh, chapter 15 of Matthew, the same gospel, starting in verse 7, uh, Jesus is uh, talking about uh, the Pharisees who would certainly represent religion in that day. And notice what he says to them in verse 7, Matthew 15, 7. You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. They honor me with their lips. They go through the motions. They say the right things. They do the right things, but their heart is far from me. Acknowledgement belief. And if you know anything about Jesus' conversations with the Pharisees, these religious men, you'd have to say, the way it sounds in Scripture, they were not saved. They were missing out on the kingdom of God. But they were religious. They believed a lot of the right things. But their hearts were far from the Lord. Not the kind of belief that saves. There are others who have this acknowledgement belief. And uh, they are called cultural Christians. And uh, you'll notice on your sheet the word Christian is in quotations because they call themselves Christians. They're cultural Christians. They will say, I believe. Sometime pick up this book. It's called The Unsaved Christian. And again, the title <clears throat> doesn't mean the people he's going to talk about are really Christians. They say they are. But in the book, he explains why they really aren't saved. They haven't experienced salvation, even though they call themselves Christians. They have what we're talking about, acknowledgement belief. We've all seen it and heard it. In the summertime, during the Major League Baseball season, every Sunday at a game, during the seventh inning stretch, thousands of people stand up and they sing together what song? God Bless America. Every Sunday. Answer this question. Would all 40, 50, 60,000 people standing on those Sundays in a stadium singing God Bless America, are they all Christians? Are they all saved people? We know better than to say they are, right? That all of them are. Some of them probably are. Some would say they all are because they're singing God Bless America. Or sticking with athletics. 
after this weekend, just uh, go online and listen to some press conferences and uh, post-game interviews from the football games this weekend. And listen to players on the winning side. And notice how many, thank God, are they all Christians? Have they all experienced salvation? Some are. But we know we can't say they all are. But hey, they're saying they thank God. Doesn't that make them a Christian? Just last weekend, I heard a coach from a college team interviewed after their, his team won. He was asked the first question, and his response immediately was, <clears throat> the first thing I want to do is give thanks to God. And you know what happened next? His next two statements were bleeped because of the language he used. Cultural Christians choose to fit into that kind of thing. They, they believe that's all that's necessary. Talk about God. As long as we talk about God, as long as we sing the songs, as long as we say the words, I thank God. Oh, hey, by the way, have you ever heard a politician not end a speech with, and may God bless America? Almost everyone does. What's our conclusion? Are they all saved people? Of course not. We wouldn't say that. Some are. But we wouldn't say that. But you see, cultural Christians think that's all that's necessary. They agree with the facts about God. They agree with the facts about Jesus. They celebrate Christmas. They celebrate Easter, usually the only two times. And they believe that makes them a Christian. You see, the cultural Christian acknowledges the facts about Jesus, but says, I'm not going to get too much into this, like those born-again people. I believe, I believe just enough to get me to heaven. It's not going to change my life. A cultural Christian claims to be a Christian, says they believe. But they choose to live a life that's acceptable to the culture they live in. They live like their culture and believe all they have to do is agree with some facts about Jesus. And sing God bless America and thank God after a game or after a speech. And go to a Christmas service and go to an Easter service. Go to a funeral now and then. And they're okay. But you see, again, just like the demons, just like some religious people, the cultural Christian thinks that's all they need. And when they say, I believe... That's what they mean. It's just an acknowledgement belief. 
It's an intellectual belief. Uh, let me read a couple excerpts from this book in case you want to read more about cultural Christianity. He says, uh, cultural Christianity gives small nods to God. They promote a God without any definition and a generic faith that demands and asks nothing of its followers. They call themselves Christians. When asked to indicate their religion on an application or form, without hesitation, they check Christian. By this, they mean to say they are good people who believe in God but aren't Jewish or Muslim. Many people who are comfortable with the idea of God and familiar with some image of Jesus have no concept of what the gospel of Christ actually is. There's a perception amongst cultural Christians that the gospel is far more extreme than they are comfortable with. Mainstream cultural Christians aren't wrapped up in promoting some kind of gospel message. They're simply trying to be nice to others, pursue their idea of personal happiness, pray when something bad happens, and rest in the belief that they're going to heaven after they die. They admire Jesus. They don't follow him. They just participate in the things that culture will accept and say the right words. They are cultural Christians. Acknowledge the facts. Agree with the facts about Jesus, about God, about salvation. But again, it's never gone from here to here. James says, can that kind of belief save you? And he goes on to answer his question in James 2. No, it's a dead faith. There's no connection in that kind of belief to the life lived. And true saving faith, belief, has a direct connection with the life lived. It impacts a life. Acknowledgement belief does not impact the life. It just doesn't. It doesn't save anyone. So, let me get personal. Could this be the kind of belief that you profess? Could it be that you're a person who says, I believe. I believe in Jesus. I, I believe that He came. I believe that he was God, became man. I believe he lived here. He lived a, a perfect life, great example for us. I believe he went to the cross. I believe that really happened, that he died for our sins. I believe he rose again on the third day. That's exciting. I believe he's alive today in heaven, and I believe there's a heaven. They acknowledge all the facts. But knowledge doesn't save anybody. Just acknowledging the facts doesn't bring salvation. To believe in Jesus, to believe in Him. Remember last week I said that little word is really important there? 
The Bible says we receive salvation by believing in Jesus, not believing about Jesus, acknowledging the facts, not believing what he said, just acknowledging that what he said was good and true. But the Bible says over and over, we receive salvation by believing in Jesus. What does it mean to believe in It means to be convinced, to be persuaded so much that you will place your confidence in that person, in this case, Jesus. And you will rely on him and depend on him. You will trust him with your life. You will give yourself over to him and surrender. And you will be committed not just to admiring him, but following him. You see, believing in someone inspires and affects your life. To the point where that belief in that person becomes a living thing. There will be living evidence in your life of that belief. That's what believing in somebody, believing in something means. You are given over to it in a way that produces living evidence. It affects your entire life. That is saving belief. And we'll talk more about that kind of belief in two weeks. There's a direct connection between saving belief, believing in Jesus, and the life you live. Could this be the kind of belief you have, this acknowledgement belief? You believe all the right things. But it has never gone any further than that. Let me wrap up with just repeating what I said earlier. I am not interested, as I share these things with you these weeks, in assuring you that you are saved. Because you say you believe in Jesus. I am interested in helping you make sure that you have the belief that actually saves. Because if I do the first, I could be guilty of giving you false assurance. If I just take you at your word when you say, I believe. Because I don't know. I might have a a clue by watching your life, but I may not know what belief you're talking about. I want to help you through these scriptures to find out if you truly have the belief that saves. 
I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and uh, sing a song for us, and then I'll close in prayer.
You know, those are not the words or the desires of someone with acknowledgement belief. Those kinds of thoughts, those kinds of desires are foreign to that person. They believe, they agree with the facts that Scripture teaches. And they go through the motions. But they could never sing this song. Because they don't know what that kind of relationship is like. Where they would desire to get closer to Jesus. Where they could say, you're my all. I want to abide in you. Because I depend on you. That is saving belief. It's gotten from the head to the heart. And it affects the entire life. Friends, if you have to acknowledge the belief you say you have is just this acknowledgement belief. Let me say to you, first of all, you have the right knowledge to respond to. Jesus did come. He did become a man. He lived among us. He lived a perfect, exemplary life. And him who knew no sin went to the cross. He really did. And in your place, he paid your sin penalty so that you could be delivered from judgment. He really did rise again, which means he has the power to give those who trust in him life after death. You believe the right things. But that's not enough to save you. You must believe in Jesus and surrender your life to Him. Seek His forgiveness. Receive Him. Don't just admire Him. Follow Him. Enter this relationship with Him where you depend on Him. If you need to talk to somebody about that, you still have questions, I'll even skip choir practice to talk to you. Just seek me out. Or you may know some Christian person here that you know their faith isn't just in the head. They have been impacted by true salvation. Talk to them. They can share with you. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time of year that reminds us of the truth of Jesus. How he came lived, died for us, rose again. And Father, perhaps all of us in this place believe those things. But for a number of us, maybe, that's it. Just the knowledge, just the agreement. Father, speak to hearts. May there be someone here this morning who goes beyond the acknowledged belief and choose us to believe in your Son, Jesus. To believe in Him. To surrender their lives to Him. To trust Him with their lives. To seek that relationship with Him. To follow Him. Not just admire Him. God, only your Spirit can move someone to that place. And we ask that you do that. Father, thank you. Guide us through the rest of the day as we come back before your table tonight to give thanks. Father, we look forward to that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
God bless you.